So this story we're going to talk about, because this is the story that's going to lead into the whole philosophical thing that we're going to talk about, and we're going to do talk back around. Now, like Jill said, I haven't been here in months, so I don't remember exactly the time scale that we have to work with. I should end this portion of the service. Where's Jill? What time? 11.30. Okay, so we got like 20 minutes, which is fine. So I'm going to tell you this story. I'm not going to tell you in the graphic detail because I don't want to upset anybody. But I'm just going to give you the bare outline of the story and then bring some questions to it. And then we're going to explore the questions in, in the talk back after the service. So this is a story about a seeker, spiritual seeker, looking for the truth. And like all seekers, he goes from one teacher to another, and he examines them, he questions them. He wants to find out what is the actual truth. What's the, the, the secret to life? How should we live? What should we know? How do things work? And one teacher after another gives him answers. But they're all different. Sometimes they jive. Sometimes one, what one teacher will say matches what another teacher will say, but sometimes they're different, and they don't fit one another at all. And the seeker doesn't know how to tell which one is the right one. So the seeker just looks and looks and looks and looks. But somewhere, midlife, the seeker finds the doorway to the truth. Not the truth, but the doorway to the truth. Convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the seekers found the doorway to the truth. The problem is, the doorway is guarded by this huge giant. Seeker goes up to the giant and says, this is the doorway to the truth and I'd like to enter. Let me pass. And the giant says, my job is to protect the doorway to the truth. Even if you got by me, there are other guards all the way through protecting the doorway to the truth. So the seeker says, well, there must be something I can do to get by the guard. Something I can give the guard. So he starts to offer whatever he has. He tries money. He tries objects that he might have with him. And the guard takes everything. <laughs> but never actually gets out of the way. So the seeker decides he's going to build a house so he can, you know, live there, contemplate how to get in, stop wandering. So builds a hut, sets up, you know, a little house there, moves in, and lives his life in front of the doorway to the truth. Every once in a while, he gets a new idea how to get past the guard. Tries it. The guard never says anything. If it's a bribe, the guard accepts the bribe, but never gets out of the way. The guard's always there. And the seeker just gets older and older and older and older. Finally, the seeker's going to die. And he calls the guard over and he says, I don't understand. This is the doorway to the truth. 
I've spent my whole life here. I've offered you everything I have to enter in. And I've noticed that no one else has ever found this. I'm the only one. How is it that I'm the only one who's found the doorway to the truth? And how is it that you never let me in? And the guard says, my job wasn't to let you in. My job was to make sure no one, you know, to protect the doorway. I wasn't here to keep you in, uh, to keep you out. I wasn't here to let you in. I was just protecting the doorway. But I gave you everything. And the guard says, and I took it all. I didn't want you to think you had left anything out. Why didn't anyone else come by? The guard said, because this is your doorway. Everyone has her own doorway. This was yours. All you had to do was walk in. But now you're too old. So I got to close it. And he did. And the man died. And that's the end of that story. Not appropriate to all ages. Sorry, sweetie. <laughs> so what is that story about? What's the message? What's the, what's the teaching? So here's my take on it. And then later on we'll come back and you can tell me what you get out of the story. But this is what I get out of the story. My sense is we're always standing, sitting, walking by our individual doorways to truth. But we don't recognize them as such because we're looking for one that everyone else is going into. We're looking for the one that's the most popular. We're looking for the one that everyone says, oh, this is the, this is the doorway to truth. The one that has the big neon sign that says, truth, you know, that's flashing, enter here. The one that's the most popular on TikTok. The one that everyone's going to. The one that everyone's posting on Instagram. The one that everyone knows is the doorway to truth. But the fact is that each person has her own doorway to truth. We just don't recognize it because we, don't, because we think that it has to be general for everyone. Now my sense is the truth is the same for everyone, but the doorway is unique to you. In the Arthur legend, you know the Holy Grail legend? When the knights of the round table have to go out and they're going to go out in search of the Holy Grail, it says, and I can't do it in the French, but it says that each of the knights has to enter the forest in their search for the Holy Grail. They enter into the, the section of the forest that is the darkest to them, right? To each of them. They don't all go into the dark part of the forest. They each have to find the darkest part of the forest that they find to be the darkest part of the forest. The forest is universal, but their entry point is individual. The grail is universal, but your way to it is individual. The truth is universal, but your path to it is your path to it. And when we try to follow another person's path, no matter how famous that person is, no matter how 
uh, oh, I guess you say, well-respected a spiritual teacher that person is, we end up imitating another person's way rather than our, uh, actualizing our own. Does that, does that make sense? you follow that idea? doesn't mean that you have to do it by yourself. You can be alone together, right? When, when you meditate, in, you can meditate by yourself, and certainly I do that every day, but you can meditate in community and you can find support from the community, but your meditation is your meditation. There's a practice that I've seen it in Methodist churches, Methodist retreats. I don't know, I don't think it's a uniquely Methodist practice. But there's a practice that I've seen in Methodist retreats where each person comes at a, a set time of the day into a room to do their own meditation practice, but they do it in community. But they're not doing the same thing. Some people are praying, some people are meditating in silence, some people are knitting, some people are reading, some people are doing you know, different things but they're all doing it together at the same time. And what they'll tell you is that they're finding support for their practice being in a room with other people practicing whatever the heck it is they're practicing. So I'm not saying that the story is telling us you have to be isolated and on your own, but the path you take is your own path and not an imitation of anyone's path, no matter how great that person may be. Now, for whatever reason, I am on a lot of mailing lists for people who are convinced they are great spiritual teachers. <laughs> and they're always selling me stuff. And, and I, some of these people I know well and, and really admire and I mean, I love them. They're my friends. But they're always selling me stuff. And they're always selling me new stuff because I bought the old stuff. I'm not going to buy it again. So they're selling me new stuff, which means they're always coming up with new things <clears throat> to get me to the same place. I mean, it's always about you know, awakening and mindfulness and whatever it is. But the last thing they told me was going to get me to the state they're trying to get me to, they sold me that one already. So they got to come up with another way to get to the same thing. And because they're selling it to me again, the assumption was the last thing they sold me didn't work. Because <laughs> otherwise, why sell me the same thing? Why sell me something new? You know, it's like, it's like what do they call it? Planned obsolescence in technology. I mean, what was wrong with iPhone 13? <laughs> that I needed the iPhone 14. What's wrong? I mean, they just change. Is it rounded edges or is it more square edges? I don't remember which one is which, but I got to have it. <clears throat> because they told me I got to have it. Tim Cook told me I got to have it, my favorite guy. So I got to follow Tim because he told me I got to have it. it. It's all designed to keep me moving away from my entry point to the truth. It's all designed to keep me moving to someone else's darkest part of the forest, which I can't enter because it's not mine, and so I'll never get to the Holy Grail. I'll never get to the truth. I'll never get to that state, which is already mine if I would stop copying everybody else. 
but I can spend my whole life searching for what's right in front of me. And I can give away everything I've got thinking that I can buy my way or bribe my way into whatever, this thing that I desire that in effect, that in, in fact, I already have. The, I'm going to say scam, I'm not sure that's the right, the con, maybe, that's better than scam, I'm not sure. The, the con or the scam of spirituality is that we're being sold something you already have. Right? In Zen, when I was in the Zen world, they call it selling water by the river. Right? It's like when Gandhi, when the British taxed salt, Gandhi had this brilliant idea, why don't we walk to the beach and just pick up the salt that's left when the tide goes out. They can't tax that. Why do we have to you know, pay for it like that? Why don't we just stop buying cloth from England and just get homespun from our, our, you know, the, the, that we can spin ourselves in India. Well, that would break the economic back of the, the, the empire. They hated that. Why do I have to, and, and Deepak sends me stuff every day. <laughs> Why? And I keep unsubscribing. It's because, I mean, I'm not a, really a friend of Deepak Chopra. Um, or, or and, and he's like really close to Oprah. I mean, if they had a kid, it'd be like Oprah Chopra. If they, it was like, if they married, it'd be like, too weird. But anyway, I keep unsubscribing to Deepak Chopra's mailing list, but I keep getting resubscribed. I don't know who's doing that to me, but he's constantly selling me something. And it's just like the old thing, but it's got a new title. And, and, and it just keeps, the message is, you didn't get it. I have it, I tried to give it to you, that one didn't work, let me try this way, maybe this one will work. And I'm running out of money if I actually keep paying him for all these things that don't work. None of it works because there's no work to be done. You're standing in front of the doorway to truth, there's a giant marketing giant, who, you know, that's repetitive, there's a giant marketing system that's designed to, to keep you from actually walking in because it's free. Spirituality is free. Tao is free. Buddha nature is free. God is free. Reality is free. You're it. You know, tat tvam asi. Thou art that in Sanskrit. You're it. In the Kabbalah, they, the, the word for I is, in Hebrew is ani. The word for the absolute Godhead is ain. Ani is A-N-I in English letters. The Godhead is A-I-N. It's the same letters. It's just reversed, you know, change in the order. And the, the mystics will tell you, it's just because, it's just the way you look at yourself. If you look at yourself as A-N-I, Ani, the ego, then you think you're separate from the A-I-N. But if you flip the letters around, you realize you're it. There's nothing to buy. There's nowhere to go. You're already it. Now, you may find it more comfortable to be it in community with other its. It's not anti-community. It's anti-spiritual marketing. It's anti-being scammed by all my friends <laughs> who keep selling me stuff 
that you don't need. So what do you need? You need two things. One, you need to know who you really are. And no one can tell you that. Right? Only you can discover that. And you need a way to discover that. So <clears throat> the way to discover that is, in, in my experience, is to simply ask yourself, and this isn't my, I didn't make this up, but I didn't buy it either. <laughs> this comes from a whole tradition of, um, in, in a bunch of different religions, but it's, it, it's a tradition called uh, self-inquiry, and uh, I, I tend to take it from the, the Hindu uh, flavor of it, from Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta Maharaj and uh, Ramesh Balkazar and, and my personal teacher, a guy named Prasanna. Uh, and, and it's just about saying, well, who am I? And realizing that when you ask that question, the person, the questioner, is not the person that's being questioned. When I say, who am I? I realize that the who, that the, the person who's asking the question isn't really the ego Rami, isn't the Ani, isn't the ego, the ego I. The person asking the question is, isn't male, isn't Jewish, isn't white, isn't liberal, isn't uh, living in Tennessee, um, isn't a, isn't a Democrat, isn't any of these things. It's the divine reality asking, who am I? Or you could put it differently, who are you really? Who are you really? You're really God. You just need to know who you are. That's what it means to walk into that truth. Everything is set up to keep you from knowing who you are. What the story is saying is, it's all an illusion. Nothing is really in your way, except your willingness to buy into the idea that something is in your way. So what I want to talk about when we come back, because Jill, look, I really did it. <laughs> what I want to talk about when we come back is what's in our way. Not abstractly, but what's, what's in your way? And I mean, I could go on and on about that, because Okay, because I've been doing this a long time. I know a lot of what's in my way. But what's in your way? What's keeping you from realizing your own divinity? Or if you don't like that language, you can find some other. But what's in your way from realizing your true nature? And awakening uh, to, to that truth. And in so doing, awakening to the truth of everyone else's true nature. And realizing that we're all uh, part of that non-dual reality that manifests as everything. So I'm gonna stop there, and we'll bring the service to a close shortly, and then we'll come back for talk back, uh, or you know, just conversation, really, and see where we can take this.